Hello and welcome to Architecture Masters at Home. I'm Owen Wainhouse. And I'm Tamsie Thompson. For the eighth episode of Architecture Masters at Home, we're joined by Laura King, a London-based director at Combe, Pennis and Fox Associates. Over the last few weeks, many of us have been getting used to the new normal of remote working. But for many global architecture firms like KPF, working on international projects with clients and design teams based across the world, remote working, at least between offices, is nothing new. For this episode, we also wanted to discuss some of the broader communications issues related to remote working and how international experience might help equip you for the challenges we're now facing. Thanks for joining us, Laura. Hello, lovely to be here. Um, you're normally based in KPF's lovely offices in, in central London. Just, just tell us a bit about where you're, a bit of a change about where you're, where you're working from now. Well, it's interesting moving from uh, Covent Garden, in the middle of Covent Garden with all the hustle and bustle and all the life there to suburbia, back to suburbia. Um, I'm in, uh, I'm currently in my bedroom. Um, uh, I was on the kitchen table, like many people, because having desk space is an amazing thing, being able to spread out, but, but uh, jostling with the kids and, uh, you know, elbowing them off uh, whenever I'm on a video call finally I, I gave up and and rigged up and took over like my son's little desk and um at least I can shut the door so so you can tell from your accent an American American accent that you studied at Michigan and at, at Yale. yeah um I grew up I'm actually a, a Chinese American uh grew up with immigrant parents in the U.S. but much to my parents' chagrin, uh, went back to the old country, as they might call it. I went and worked in Hong Kong for a while after graduation uh, and uh, spent some uh, time in Asia uh, working as an architect and ended up in London uh, following my heart. <laughs> Unexpectedly, life opens up new doors when you least expect it. Um, and have subsequently, I've, I've lived in um, the UK uh, for the last... Uh, ooh, almost uh, 18 years. Uh, I'm, I'm so Chinese, American, British. Um, but my husband, who I met in Hong Kong, is German, Indonesian. Um, so we have a rather global outlook on things, you could say. So this, this, uh, so working at KPF actually fits in well with, uh, with my own uh, personal kind of worldviews and things. So uh, it's been very interesting is having it all merge. Mm. And, and I guess KPF is a, a sort of big international practice. So does that mean you're working on projects all over the world from the London office? Yes, uh, our design centres are in New York and in London, but we also have offices in Hong Kong, uh, in in Hong Kong and Shanghai, Abu Dhabi, uh, Seoul, in, and also now in Berlin and San Francisco. So it's, it's we're quite <laughs> we're we're quite global. But what's been interesting especially with this with what's been going on with the coronavirus and and the and all the situation now is that everyone is sort of starting to work in ways that we have that KPF have been working for a while interestingly um because of our because we often have teams spread across many countries we've always you relied on web before zoom uh webex but for years to communicate both with our clients and with each other. Uh, and so I find uh, it rather interesting that now we're doing it internally uh, as well, which is, I guess, the next step. But, uh, 
but it's interesting because everybody is coming across the same kinds of frustrations and uh, there's goods and bads with working remotely. The working from the home and working from my bedroom is definitely new. <laughs> so like that's added one more, one more level of complication to things, but it's, it's, it just, it, it's one more challenge, but not unsurmountable, I would say. And design, so as a director then in a, in a practice, you're obviously managing wider design teams. I guess normally before the kind of uh, the virus, you were design teams were all in one office. Were they? Were they between offices? We, you, you know, what's how? How's um, so? We've we've often uh, we try to concentrate for each project the the main design in sometimes one office, but we put together teams as required by our clients and as the project requires. So so sometimes, for example, recently. Um, one of the projects I'm on, which is in Hangzhou for the 2022 Asian Games, I'm working on three. We're working. On, we have teams spread across three, three continent, three continents at the moment. So there's some part of the design is being done in New York. Part of the design is doing been uh, done here, and we also have our support from our um, Shanghai office. And we have to meet regularly. We have to talk very regularly, and in some good or bad ways, London being in the middle, uh, time zone wise means first thing in the morning we talk with Asia. There's a lovely overlap sometimes right around our lunchtime uh, where it's early in the morning in New York and later in the evening in Asia. And uh, by the afternoon, sometimes we're talking then with uh, our, our colleagues in, in, in North America. So uh, I'm, we're very fortunate in London to, have, to be in the middle of many time zones. And I have to say that that's, that's made life much easier. Uh, but... Um, I think what's something we were talked about before, Owen, is that um, when I was on maternity leave, um, you get used to working at all hours just to lean in. Uh, and that's another topic entirely. But for working across different continents, you just adapt um, and, and, and try to communicate when you can. And so you might have a you know, video call at six in the morning, but um, I guess the advantage of that now is that if you can do that and have a call with Asia first thing in the morning, you've perhaps got a bit more freedom to spend time with the kids in the day and then you know, perhaps take a, other calls or other... Um... Well, it's a lot more juggle. I would say it's a lot more juggling uh, than that. Uh, luckily, we have very considerate uh, team teams and clients. But uh, I think usually what we find is by the time you get off the call, then you have to start talking to your own team and then... You have to talk with the team in New York, and so it, your day doesn't break up quite as easily. Um, you talk there about talking, obviously talking to design teams, talking to clients. Yeah, I'm I'm not an architect, but I'm really kind of fascinated actually in how a lot of architectural, particular sorts of architecture, actually involve perhaps more talking than than drawing in terms of kind of communication and how maybe you get more senior within a practice that becomes becomes more is that well it's always both i mean ultimately with architecture it's 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 always a visual medium right we we, we and a spatial one right but when we talk when we have international clients and international teams um i think definitely verbal communication is is so critical 
But actually, more than that, I'd say nonverbal communication is is also uh, a critical and, and, and non-visual even non-visual non-verbal communication and by that I mean from my own personal experience you know speaking about my own background you know I often grew up with extended family who didn't speak English uh, whether it's German Indonesian or Mandarin Cantonese Hokkien Malay whatever um, I grew up learning how to communicate in other ways uh, besides visual and 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 and, and um, verbal meaning like I think I think people can always understand uh, universally things like emotional intelligence, warmth, honesty, you know, the power of using physical language. And that's where facial and, 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 and even vocal helps you strengthen the original message, you know, using other tools of communication. It helps support the messages, the ideas that we're trying to communicate uh, across different cultures. And I think that's really important um, for all architects to learn. It, 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 for all of us to, to learn, and me learning just through experience, that strengthening the message, supporting our messages helps helps take, bring ideas forward uh, and spread the ideas in different ways. One thing I would add about the communication, though, is something I think I was always aware of uh, before, you know, is, is having a clear brief and a clear direction is always uh, so critical uh, when we're communicating with clients or we're complete communicating internally. But I think what's really interesting is in the working from home, people, some of our, our our team members who sometimes are less used to communicating, say, verbally, etc., we're all forced to now. You know, people and 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 it forces all members of a team to try to communicate clearly because we're all remote now we can't you know do our hand just well we can do our hand gestures but and sketching through various different you know programs and and, and technology is fantastic but i do feel it is uh forcing a lot of people say we sometimes aren't as used to doing uh communicating regularly in other medium besides visual to do so to, to do to do so and i think that's that's always just a, a positive and hopefully will strengthen us in general, um, as a profession. Um, I, I was just going to say, I guess picking up from that, in terms of that kind of cross-cultural team working, I just wondered if you had any reflections of, you know, you, you yourself have worked in obviously a number of different countries and now work with teams based in, in different countries. I always wonder if there's kind of the, the culture of the practice is uh, takes precedent or whether there's a kind of cultural geographically cultural kind of practices that that take precedence sometimes within these uh mixed teams well i think it is there is both i mean ultimately uh there is a a a kpf ethos you know that we try to uh unify us all together in terms of the way we approach design and the way we approach uh, discussion and, and our process uh but having said that uh we remain really we do try to remain very sensitive to the different locales that we work in and work with. Um, even, and this is a kind of funny one, even to the point of how do you spell, you know, neighborhood, the British way or the American way, you know, and China, do you do, do we do dates with the month, day, year or year, month, day? It's really basic stuff like that. But it's, it's, it can be a unifying a way of unifying us as well as we kind of kind of laugh about it uh, together as a team and try to figure out okay is this where we're going to do the British way the the American way or are we going to do it the the Chinese way which can go either way um, <laughs> it's it's 
It's good. I mean, so it's always, it's not, it's not a neither nor situation. It's always a little both, you know, mm. um, where we, where we do have to be unified by our single kind of, uh, KPF corporate ethos, but at the same time, there's, we have to allow each locale to become each, each, uh, each different geographic location to have its own identity, you know? Um, and I think that's important. I mean, just in terms of people as well as offices. And I guess the English language is such a complex tool for that communication. We, we have similar conversations as a team and, uh, you know, the way that British people might use the way word surprised, for example, <laughs> compared to how other people yeah. Uh, yeah. use the word surprised, I think is, you know, there's these nuances which are, are really interesting when you see them through another's eyes. Well, I think something building on that is that, especially with clients who don't use, or, or teammates, who don't use as much English, or English is not their first language and, and not their strongest, just like my Mandarin's not great. But what I find is that um, other ways of communicating, for example, I had a client who was pretty, very sort of seemingly straight-laced conservative kind of guy. But then um, I communicate a lot to my clients uh, and team on WeChat. And lo and behold, when you look at his, his WeChat image, and the way he uses emojis wow he has a whole different way of communicating and I discovered actually it was a watershed moment with him I started using emojis with a client and it's totally at least for that culture totally normal and of a nice way to sort of break up and and develop a a relationship um in a different way uh which helps build trust you know and helps with which also helps with communication um but you wouldn't think that he was an emoji kind of guy. But I think I think I wrote my first emoji sentence, which was, uh, what was it? It was like um, pen, paper, thumbs up, question mark. And, and that was, and I sent that out. Um, and that was, um, ultimately, that was for, did we sign the contract yet? And uh, I think he got, got a smiley face in return. Not the answer I was looking for exactly, but... No, it got, did get a smiley face in return. Um, and I think it was funny because another uh, colleague of mine said, oh my God, we're, we're retreating to hieroglyphics, you know, um, in communication. So English is not the only way. Another client, you know, would, I spoke about a half English to my half Chinese and we communicated great because we met each other kind of halfway. Um, but it's, there's different ways of, there's just so many different ways of communicating besides language, I think. And that's really fascinating, you know. I mean, besides visual and besides language, there's so many different ways. But it's also interesting there, the kind of slight breakdown of private and professional communication tools, like you were saying there, seeing a kind of profile photo or, I guess, you know, people using WhatsApp a bit more or maybe WeChat as what were initially people's personal communication tools are yeah, increasingly being used for professional and then kind of creeping. Well, I suppose that comes into Zoom calls from houses and things, suddenly opening up people's private environments to the to the working world. And does that build trust and understanding? And uh... Well, that's a, that's a tricky one because I also feel there's a cultural difference. For example, in Asia, there's less of a need uh there's less there i think they feel less of a need to divide up personal and private for example um in terms of their their use of wechat for example and whereas here you know we very try much make a distinction between personal and private and 
I find that some, some people I knew working here set up two WeChats, for example, a personal one and a, and a professional one, right? And you'd use one for the professional chatting, and then you'd use one for personal chatting, and you change the photo <laughs> as necessary for both. But you do have to set boundaries. Well, it's interesting, I guess, on, on boundaries between personal and private communications channels. There's also, I guess, the issue of boundaries between personal time and work time and when you're on duty and when you're open to being um, to being contacted. Tamsi and I have discussed this a little bit um, around maternity leave and when you're when you want to be disturbed with work and and when and when not we should probably disclose that you were the cover for my two maternity leaves as well so you have an unusual <laughs> insight into my maternity yeah leave. It, well i think uh what's i think i touched on this i think earlier but what i find interesting from the work from home is that um I had three maternity leaves, but very short. Uh, my situation meant that I, at that time, meant that I, I went back to work very quite early, at least for European standards, not for American standards. I felt that there was a point, oh, I remember it was, I had three children under the age of five. You know, I was working full time and it was, it was so difficult. And, you know, that's when lean in was also very big, uh, and all the strategies from from Silicon Valley, and there's a point where I felt like you're working. All there is no time after the kids go to bed. You you lock log back in. You get the things done that you need to get done. You snatch the moments in between the other moments, and you you make it work. Um, and that's something I think a lot of parents on, on maternity or paternity leave probably are finding. Um, and what's interesting is that the wider um, office who may not have children but may have other um, uh, issues or, or, or situations are learning the, the same thing now. The same tricks are the same. <laughs> the same tricks, I'll put it like, right? Uh, you stick the kids over the TV, okay, they won't, they won't. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. But you can yeah. get that thing done. Um, it's a, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's good that, that I think uh, more people are discovering that and, Hopefully, this means that more of the people um, uh, working at our policies understand that uh, flexible time is is doable. It's possible and can be productive. Um, and I think this applies not just for parents, but for for many people with different you know situations or different requirements and needs. And I I'd like I think that would really help um, just widen diversity within our industry and and allow different. Um, ways, different ways of working, I think, will help with... Well, I, I think that's right. I think the other the kind of connection there, actually, is that we talk about people with caring responsibilities, and obviously for some people that's children. For other people that might be you know, elderly parents, you know, increasingly kind of as you know, people think about, about caring there. But also you know, caring responsibilities in the current environment means something completely different, that you know, actually caring for people who are sick and... Uh, you know, self-isolating and dealing with those. So suddenly the idea about caring responsibilities is much broader than just the idea of you know, caring for kids, which brings in, which brings in a much bigger demographic of, of people. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think more than even just caring, I mean, some of the topics we're, we've been talking about at work also was younger staff who would like 
more of a balance in their lives. Uh, uh, other people who teach or do other things. Um, not to say that uh, we shouldn't still be focused on our projects and the things that we do and what we're doing for our clients, etc. But, but I think architecture certainly would, we all know, would benefit from 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 a, a greater diversity of, of voices, I think, in, in our industry. And I I'm, I'm definitely feel very strongly about that. And I'm, I'm hoping in some ways that, that this work from home is just a start of, of more conversations that we can have about how we can change you know, uh, the demographic within our industry or, or, or in the diversity. And you know, starting with whether it's women, whether it's mothers, whether it's parents, whether it's other, pe- you know, other people in other situations, I think that's important. And that probably brings us on to our last question. Tamsi wants to... Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. It sort of answers it already, which is, I guess, when things go back to normal, um, should they, you know, should hopefully they will go back to normal. Um, I guess, what do you think that new normal might look like? What are the changes um, or kind of opportunities and things that we've learned from this process that either as an industry or as a kind of wider society or individuals, we might sort of take on and keep? Well, I'm I'm definitely hoping that being more accepting of, of, of different ways of working and places of work uh, can continue. As a architect, as our architectural profession, though, I mean, ultimately, it, it requires collaboration and face to face. I mean, that you can never replace face to face and and the the exchange of ideas and and brainstorming, etc. Often does require like physical um, uh, proximity to to really to really just bounce off each other and fire off each other inspiration and ideas and things. However. I think there also is a as a definite place for for more allow, allowing more of remote working, etc. Again, it's not an either or situation. It's got to be a, a balance and the right balance, um, so that so that we can still come up with the best come up with the best ideas and 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 be continue to be really productive. So I I think I'm hoping that especially well <laughs> coming at it as a as a former mom on maternity leave, as a mom on a former maternity leave, I, I certainly hope uh, uh, some of this flexible working time can be can be better uh, used and uh, utilized for, for 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 parents. But also, we can think about how we can take some of these these what we're learning now into into these other kinds of modes of working. I, I do hope that will continue because I do think again it really helps. It really helps. Uh, it does shake up our profession. All all industries, I'm sure, are being shaken up quite a bit. I think it's 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 good. Um, uh, it is ultimately will be will help strengthen. I think us as a profession. I think that I'm I'm I'm, I'm remaining optimistic. I'm, we got to be optimistic. We're only what week three. <laughs> we have to we have to <laughs> yeah. be optimistic about uh, the goods coming out of all this, right? Absolutely. Remain optimistic. I think it's a really nice note to, to finish on. Thanks, Laura. You've been listening to Architecture Masters at Home. I'm Owen Wainhouse. And I'm Tamsie Thompson. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.